Welcome back to the Change Your Filter podcast. I am Tall Paul. My wife is out of town and my son is on the other side of the wall right now barking, not my dog, my son. So I'm hoping to make it through this recording um, without that distraction. Um, But I appreciate you joining us. Um, Thank you to all of the folks that I met at AHR Expo. Um, It was cool to actually uh, meet people for the first time who've been listening to the podcast and giving us feedback. Uh, Really grateful and humbling and honestly kind of bizarre for me to... Um, just be walking and someone, Hey, Hey, are you tall, Paul? That is cool. And I enjoy that. So thank you. Thank you for the feedback. Um, back at it this week. Today's guest is Josh Teekle. Josh is the founder and CEO of smartac.com. If you are a contractor listening to this, go to hvac.smartac.com to uh, see and hear about all the things that we talk about during this episode. As a disclaimer, this is nothing to do with Josh, but as a disclaimer, when I have someone on as a guest here, um, it's not inherently an endorsement. I've had my hand slapped um, in the past for that. Do your own research, uh, do your own discovery, make your own decision on the tools and technology and the people uh, that you want to work with for your business. That said, I really, really think Josh is onto something uh, with this concept of smart maintenance. Um, I've seen manufacturers and retailers kind of dance around this space, um, but Josh's approach with Smart AC seems to be something uh, that really has the chops to drive value on the entire spectrum of the business from uh, contractors to uh, the end user and is aligned with everyone's interest, which is the hardest part. Is smart maintenance the future of maintenance? What is smart maintenance? Why is it important? Why is it something you should be thinking about? Um, Josh will answer those questions in today's episode. Um, The implications here are pretty profound. So um, I think it's awesome. Please enjoy this conversation with my good friend, Josh Teekle. This is Josh Teekle and you're listening to the Change Your Filter podcast with Tall Paul. Josh, welcome to the Change Your Filter podcast. Thanks, Paul. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Likewise, I remember the moment I met you. We were at Service World Expo. And if my memory serves me correctly, you walked up or you emerged from the back of the room and you said something to the effect of like, finally, someone sees the world the way I do. Something like that. Yeah, I I remember it too. I don't know how I've missed i just hadn't been on any of your talks for a long you know over the last few years and somehow that we'd cross paths or not cross paths and so i sat through the talk i'm like texting people during the talk yes this this you know so yeah it was great uh, and excited to be able to uh kind of dive into some of the what the way the future works here today as well yeah th- those are always validating moments for me because early along you know in the e-commerce for home services and hvac world like i had to I had to really, really over explain what we were doing and why I was doing a career pivot and all those things, not just to strangers and people in the industry, but to my wife. (laughs) And there have been moments like, like that, like when I run into someone like you, where I will just pull her aside and I'm like, honey, I'm not crazy. I found one other person who actually sees the world the way I do. And he's really smart. Um, So I'm glad to have found some, some common ground with you and glad to have you as a guest here today. Yeah. Thanks. Excited to dive in. So I, before we get to smartac.com and all the things you have going on there, I want to hear your career story. I, and I also want to talk about Cedarville University, which um, small world. I was the, oh gosh, here comes a very humble moment. I was the, the leading scorer in basketball in a tournament at Cedarville University when I was in eighth grade. And um, 
nice. it's been all downhill since then. And I actually played against Cedarville in college. So know some folks over there. How did you nice. end up at Cedarville? Tell me your story. Who are you, Josh? Yeah. yeah. So grew up in, in Texas in Houston. And, uh, and when I went to, I played basketball, uh, growing up in high school as well. I actually played one year out in Florida at a Christian college. Uh, and then I transferred up to Cedarville. I was supposed to play ball. It ended up not working out, but, uh, but yeah, they had the really the best engineering program of, of, of the kind of Christian schools that I was, uh, my dad's a Baptist pastor. My mom was a missionary kid, so didn't really have a choice, but it was a great place to go to. So you got to go to any college in the country, as long as it was a Baptist college. Uh, yeah, maybe about that. Yeah. Um, I tell you what, Cedarville, I work with 12 alumni from that school. Uh, so, I mean, the, the network from there was really incredible. And, uh, basically my entire career has been built around relationships from there. So what year were you there? Uh, I was there from Oh, Oh three to Oh seven. Had you played basketball there, we would have played basketball against one another. Yeah. Yeah, it was the I don't want to man, it's a painful thing, but I don't want to get into it. But yeah, last last uh I was the odd man out the first year I was there and kind of got a chip on my shoulder and never tried out again. But I scrimmaged with the team all the time. So you probably played him against Mugabe, which was our best player on that period of time. But uh We did. Yeah, it's a great program. Very good program. Well, I believe we would have played two times. You guys were really good, really competitive. I'm sure we won, but um, we'll have to go to Google to find that out. I'm sure it's... Gosh, I'm so glad that video was not around when we were of age playing basketball because there were some good moments that I would have loved to have captured, but some not so good moments that I'm glad my children can't see, like well, me must, getting dunked on by all nice Americans. to play basketball at what, six, what are you, six, five, six, six? Uh, I was six, six, two, and it was a problem at six, two. Well, I am six, eight. Oh, wow. Six, but eight. there were times I played like I was 5'10". <laughs> I was 6'2 and played like I was 6'5". So. See? Yep. Yeah. You uh, And you would have probably pushed me around a little bit. <laughs> I wasn't nearly as tough as I am now. <laughs> um, but yeah, so went to college there, came straight back to Texas. Uh, so loved Ohio while I was there, uh, the people specifically. But didn't like much else about it. People were great, but uh, coming from a big city, wanted to be back. And uh, so had a couple of stints in oil and gas, kind of did that thing for a couple of years. I actually played poker full time for a little while as well, which was fun. Um, and then started my first company in 2009. And so since then, it's really just been entrepreneurial pursuits. Tell me before we get into your first startup. Um, tell me about playing poker full time. Yeah, so I got caught up in the boom uh, in 2003, 2004, 2005, right, in college when everything was popping off and everybody and their mother was playing online poker. Or maybe not their mother, actually, but everybody was. Um, and and so, yeah, just uh, really love the game. It's really uh, I'm hyper competitive and it's a game that you can like chess, you know, or I guess where it's just like you, you always get, can get better and okay. it's always reading the other person. And so I really enjoyed that and then was good at making money at it and decided to give it a go. It's a really tough life though, because you have to, uh, understand bankroll management and, and really you're just kind of like, you know, grinding on the internet for 10 hours a day, you know, playing 24 tables at once or whatever, or traveling around to places by yourself to play in card games, right. In casinos. So it just wasn't, wasn't a good life, but it was a fun thing. I'm glad I did it. I got to play in the world series like seven years in a row. I actually took poker pretty seriously for a little while. And, uh, um, 
But once we realized that it was not the best way to make money and you couldn't duplicate yourself at the end of the day, like you have to create systems to create value and you can't create a system to have 30 people playing under you doing poker. It's just you. You are the product. Right. And so so it's not a good thing to scale. And once I realized it wasn't a good uh, pursuit, I moved on. Was there a little dissonance between like attending college at a ultra conservative i think cedarville would be considered ultra conservative yeah. school and here you are playing poker and was yeah, there like a not really yeah I, that's the thing about cedarville i mean you get a slap on the wrist but they were really good people and very not very legalistic in general and uh and um yeah i mean it was like not in it was in the rule book not to do but you, know, <laughs> you can break rules and be okay here they're Worse rules being broken on college campuses all throughout no North America. No Seems like you turned out okay. So, um, so how long did you do the poker thing, and then and then how did that lead into your your first real job? Um, yeah, so I, I uh, played full time for about a year, mostly online, but traveling some. And then, I mean, went broke, you know? That's what yeah. you do. If you're going to quit playing poker, it's because you lose your bankroll, right? So that happened somewhere in Atlantic City. I think the Borgata in Atlantic City and a big, oh. big card game there. Called my dad, was like, hey, I need to borrow some money to get home, you know? So that was kind of rock bottom. And then, uh, and then, you know, knew that the, this was actually in 09, but you were still not hard to get a job in oil and gas. So, yep. um, negotiated a signing bonus to get out of debt and, and then, uh, worked that job for 10 months and then quit <laughs> and started a company. <laughs> I wasn't very good. I'm not a good employee, uh, in, in the right context, maybe, but I never found that context. So, yeah. From that. So 10 months, you start your own company. Tell me about that. Yeah. So uh, home improvement company started doing uh, just with backyard makeover stuff. So mm-hmm. um, we actually did concrete, concrete overlays, pavers, all hardscapes to start with. But it really just... And I started the company and I would always advise people to do this. If you can, start start doing your thing before you quit your job. So mm-hmm. you know that it works before you get rid of that you know, income. So I was just working nights and weekends on it. And then it became evident pretty quickly that it made sense to do that. So um, so I ended up hiring my first three or four hires were people from Cedarville. Yeah. Flew them down one by one to join the team. And still, it's actually run by four or five people still that are Cedarville grads. And so, um, yeah, it was kind of off to the races. We, we named the company Allied Outdoor Solutions because we knew we would eventually do everything outdoors. And yeah. now we do it all. Pool decks, patios, driveways, outdoor kitchens, pergolas, fire features, we build pools, landscaping, everything. Um, so I think we I think we understood. And, our, and my father actually was in home improvement doing siding windows. So he was able to teach me six months of hard knocks and really the, un- the understanding of how to sell in the home. I would say if I'm an expert at one thing, it's that, right? And so that's really what what drive the reason we created SmartAC.com as well. And and, you know, what gets me excited is, is understanding the psychology of buying decisions, especially in the home with homeowners. So that's, that was really the main skill set that was required for that business. A lot of things I want to grab onto there, but I want to talk a little bit about the Houston market. Was there something unique or anything unique about Houston that made that business more viable than it would have been had you started it in Omaha or Cincinnati or Charleston? Yeah, I think the the... It's a lot of concrete in Houston, so I think yep. that helped uh, early on. Uh, but we quickly expanded to Dallas and Austin and San Antonio. Um, so, but yeah, I, I think just a good market with money. People spend a lot of time outside, right? And so doing stuff outdoor living makes a lot of sense. You can do it. Yeah, you know, people are literally outside hanging out ten months a year, right? And so 
in general, the South is better for, for that type thing just because of the, the demand for and the time spent outside. Yeah. Yeah. I, I asked that because I have this um, bias toward having any type of business in Houston, Dallas, or Austin involving the home because the conditions are so perfect. You have all these beautiful homes with three or four air conditioners that are built on postage stamp lots that are ready for a pool and a deck and a pergola and stone pavers. And no one wants to go outside and do their own stuff. So now you get all the maintenance. Everyone has awesome, at least I don't know what the market looks like now, but like really good home equity, really good, like great value in their home. It's just a good market and tons, tons and tons of new construction. You're preaching to the choir. Texas is the promised land. So, um, just don't, just don't California or Texas if you're listening to it from out there. But yeah, uh, in general, I think, uh, there's a lot of money to be made in Texas and you you can build an entire business and just stay in Texas and, and it's, it's huge. Right. So on the other side of that coin, I have been recorded on this podcast saying that sometimes Texas is a little overrated sometimes, but disagree. I, t- uh, I, I wouldn't, it's not a place to, to vacation. The food's great. Uh, but I mean, Houston is boring compared to anywhere else. Right. I sure. mean, it's, it's a great place to make money. Right. But, there you uh, go. but outside of that and it being home for me, like I don't have any other, you know, preconceived notions. I, I would, you make your money in Texas and go spend it elsewhere. Right. There you and, go. And once you've made enough to, to quit making it, then go, go just leave Texas forever. Right. Other yeah. Than, holidays when i lived in colorado uh there was this and this was this has been gosh 10 or 12 years now but there was this well-known thing that it was like it's march don't go to aspen all the texans will be there that's very very true (laughs) yeah um so talk to me about the psychology of sales you said i I believe i heard you correctly and you said that that was kind of the thing that you learned that you became most good at talk to me about that yeah so um at the end of the day i think every buying decision in the home comes down to uh, people have to like you and trust you, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think you can accomplish both of those things inside of, you know, whatever you're selling, you have to accomplish both of those things inside of that time period, right? So for Allied, it was, you know, walking into a house and walking out with a down payment check on a thirty, forty $40,000 project in an hour, right? Or 90 minutes, right? And and so that's not an easy thing to do because it's not a small amount of money for people. Um, and so that's at the base of it, it's liking people, liking you and trusting you. And so... You really have to not give them any reason to not like you or not trust you. And then I think it's one of the biggest things is nailing down the scope too. So no matter what you're selling in the home, if it's air conditioning systems or if it's plumbing or if it's an outdoor living space, you have to close. What my dad taught me was you have to close all the doors, right? So they have these certain doors in their head of, I wonder about this, or I'm not sure about this, or can you handle this, right? And so like one by one, you have to find out what are those, what are those concerns right? That can turn into objections of why they're not ready to move forward. And you have to close every one of them. And if you do that, then it's really just, they have no reason not to move forward, right? So the reason people don't move forward, there's going to be some reason. And so you have to find out, you know, what are those things for them? And that's through discovery and asking good questions, right? And then, uh, and then, uh, and then you can, ask for the order and and earn the business. There's really two ways to do that. I'm not great at asking a whole lot of questions to find out where people I'm trying to get better at that. Mm -hmm. My sales method was just to understand the 17 questions everyone would would care about and Mm -hmm. weave those 17 into 
into the pitch. So at the very end, you're like, do you have any questions? And generally, it's like, no, you covered all of those. I had a few during, but you covered them, right? So, and that doesn't mean there won't be some specific things for them. But if you can, if you can portray yourself as an expert and they have the confidence that you've done this thousands of times, then that can be powerful as well. And you are, and obviously you're not in that world directly anymore, but you, are you kind of working on shifting toward more question-based discovery versus like presentation-based? Um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe I, I need to get better at it. I need to get better yeah. at it. I think, I think it's important in this discovery, I think is important to understand the market and understand mm-hmm. the customers you're selling to. If you understand those customers, you bucket them in the right brackets of, you know, here's this size shop or this size shop or this size shop. Um, and and you ask, you know, a few questions early on. Yeah, I, I think don't, I don't think you have to be asking questions the entire time, maybe. But but yeah, three or four, three or four questions to make sure you understand what bucket they're in. And then you can have an, an approach that's tailored to that to that uh, um, customer that's, uh, you know, subset that you're speaking to. Got it. So Allied is kind of running itself right now. And at yeah. some point you got in the air conditioning business. So. Yeah. So, uh, so I actually forayed into technology in like 2015, 2016, uh, around a product to save energy on air conditioning. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I funded it and uh, R&D kind of, it was a part-time thing while I was still running Allied. Um, and then it became evident through um, through a couple of years of discovery there with that product that data was whatever everyone wanted, right? Uh, in fact, I have one of those here. It's so, what this, homeowners wanted or what contractors yeah, no, it's wanted? What the contractors wanted. So we had yep. a product that saved energy on air conditioning. We put some some sensors in the back of it. It's a misting product, right? Yeah, it was. Yep. Yeah, yep. Um, and and so it just it became really evident talking to contractors that. They didn't see a lot of value in reducing energy bills necessarily. And really, if you look at like the energy space, you know, it's hit or miss whether or not they really believe in saving energy either. Uh, right. It just depends on who you're talking to. But but people believe in making money. Right. And so it was clear that data was going to help our partners in the energy space, in the HVAC space, plumbing space make more money. And so we we pivoted very hard in 2018 and, and really worked on that in stealth to bring it to market. So. So I didn't I didn't step away from Allied full time until about 2017, and then and then we built the team out for Smart AC, kind of in the 2018 2019 timeline. So, uh, but yeah, but Allied's kind of closing the chapter on that. Allied's doing great, f- f- broke 50 million last year, and uh, and it's a tough business to scale. Uh, it's a hard one to scale because you're in backyards for months and months on end. But it's a really great business with amazing people, you know, a couple hundred people, and and then and then the trademark partners on top of that, right? So uh, really an amazing group with an incredible team, and uh, so I miss it in a lot of ways. I miss being part of that company, running it day to day, but um, but I get to throw some ideas over the fence here and there and have some fun in that way. Was the inability to scale and we're not talking scaling from 10 to 20 to 30 to 40 50 million right the inability to scale because of the um the limits and the constraints of just the business model is that what kind of led you into the software world or you mentioned you got into technology obviously you've got an engineering background you just showed me this widget like how'd you get into widgets and software and all that i would say that's the main reason i the main reason before into tech was just if you build a business it's just like the frontier where you can go from zero to a billion in three or four years. Right. Yeah, so yeah. like if you're, it just feels like, uh, 
it feels like if you're not in technology, then you're, you're not at the big table, if you will. So, um, mm-hmm. so I think that was always a driving factor. And I really, really like taking industries and bringing tech into them. I mean, we do that at Allied in a ton of ways and are forward thinking in that way. And so obviously at Smart AC, our entire, our entire business is about taking an industry that hasn't changed as much as it could have over the last 50 years and, and, and uh, bringing new thoughts and ideas and, and uh, methods to it. So yeah, I think it's, it, and then also, you know, obviously software companies and technology companies as far as uh, the ability to grow a business to very successful is second to none. And so I do think that that was one of the reasons to kind of step away from my baby, the company, and then start another one was just because of the upside and the excitement of how fast things could go and fast pace was was attractive. And being on the frontier of technology in our industry, kind of provide your macro view of the industry, like what you see, what trends you see, what kind of collective momentum you see toward technology or away from technology. What's uh, what's it look like from your vantage point? Um yeah, so I think I think the industry HVAC. I mean, we we kind of play in HVAC and plumbing, so I'll speak to that specifically. I think it's come a long way in the last decade, right? I mean, I think Service Titan was probably the first one to make that happen, and yeah. and then now Service Titan is the platform that uh, that people are finding about new things through too, right? I mean, they're constantly adding new things to the fray and. And putting them right in the workflow, and that's important because if you make that one change to a, a product like that, then you don't really necessarily have to change away, make other, a lot of other changes because they keep just kind of serving them up to you. So I think that's really powerful. Um, there's some other companies in that space that have some really exciting things that are coming as well, um, and you know we want to be kind of uh, part of that, of course. Uh, from a different standpoint, right? We're, we're helping the contractors, but we're really focused on the consumer experience and the ability to marry up the revenue opportunities for the contractors with the experience and the sticky relationship with the homeowners, right? Um, yeah. But I think I think it's slow. It's slow. I mean, yeah. to, to think it's anything other than that is not calling a spade a spade. And um, I think the awareness that people need to change their businesses is growing, but it's growing very slowly, right? So I think it's, you know, you're fighting that fight day in, day out as well. And so, uh, so yeah, I think it's slow. I think everyone in the industry will be better off in a decade if they move faster um, because because we all know there's possibilities of, you know, bigger players coming in and changing a lot of stuff way faster than they want to change. So I think the the more incremental change that can happen towards giving someone a tech-enabled experience, uh, the safer these businesses will be against disruption. What do you mean by bigger players changing stuff? Well, I think most most industries get disrupted by tech at some point, right? And, mm-hmm. and it's usually disrupted by a tech giant in many cases, right? So, um, so yeah, and there's a lot of parallels you could do to other industries that are just nothing like what they were 15 years ago. And um, at the end of the day, experience wins. And so I think the way to, to keep the businesses and grow them over time is just to give that best customer experience because customers are going to choose what's best for them and easiest for them. And so, uh, and this is exactly what you guys talk, talk about at Contractor Commerce. Um, and so, yeah, I think, I think just speeding to the finish line of the best experience is what everybody uh, should be doing in, in, in the trades, right? Yeah. And in, 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 in any industry, right? If, that it's going to all go to that because technology allows um, to bridge that gap and, and decide what the best experience is and then automate it. And when that happens, then it uh, 
it can leave people holding the bag if they if they didn't see it coming. Let's talk about software and Service Titan, and then we're going to come back to Smart AC because I want to hear all the things you're doing, and we'll we'll get right into that. Um, you know, Service Titan's interesting when you think about software like they're vertical software, meaning they're working in you know really one space, even though home services can be kind of wide. Yep. But in many ways, there wasn't a ton of innovation. It was taking field management software and making it better, and then marketing it, and then selling it, and then becoming you know the unicorn that they are. I love reading. Um, journals and articles about all these software companies and seeing Service Titan in the mix there. I think it validates our industry. But yeah. anyways, um, that's a category that has existed that they now in many ways own or appear to own. Yeah. Um, what category does Smart AC fit in so that it doesn't get lumped in with software company that software for the trades? Like where does Smart AC fit in? Uh yeah, good question. So, yeah, totally different than Service Titan. Uh, complimentary, but very different. Yep. So, really, we're, we focus on helping the contractor gain more ongoing relationships and keep them. Mm-hmm. Uh, the enti- So, we reverse engineered the entire platform around what makes these companies profitable. And that's mm-hmm. selling new AC equipment, right? Yep. Or selling big plumbing jobs, right? And really, at the end of the day, you don't create that problem yourself. You fix it when it happens. And so... The number one objective of the entire business is to be present and be the company of record when Mr. or Mrs. Jones has a problem and needs it, right? And so you have to be either top of mind or you have to be their go-to in some way. And so that's really the problem we solve, right? If you look at the industry, and we I don't want to get ahead of the cart ahead of the horse, but um, but the take rates for ongoing relationships are very low, right? Mm-hmm. And so our whole business is built around increasing that take rate. Uh, you know, the limit as it approaches 100%, right? When you walk into a home, you grab that home and you own it moving forward, right? And so and so that's really where we where we want to add the most value. Now, of course, there's integrations with service tightening. We're actually, uh, that's coming very soon. I will yeah. uh, check check the press in the next couple of weeks. But, awesome. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, we want that to fit into the business too, right? We're not trying to reinvent the wheel. So people know that, Selling agreements and memberships are very vital to the business. And, and really, if you boil it down, uh, it, we want to have them sell more of those and then keep the customer happy. And at the end of the day, that means that we have to be very focused on the homeowner experience as well, right? And that's really where we we actually came from a homeowner product mm-hmm. and kind of forayed into making a homeowner product that can be sold through channel partners in the HVAC plumbing industry to grow their businesses, right? So when we ran the math of what product price point we could bring the product to market to and the value and the ROI that that would mean, that's when we knew we had to laser focus on this kind of this channel. And this is really the only channel that we are focused on uh, is is going through HVAC and plumbing companies direct to homeowners. Um, and there will, there's some other opportunities in retail energy and things like that, but mostly this channel. This is kind of a left field question, but could you take your product to market direct to consumers and leave the contractors out of it. And the contractors just get to adapt to the demand in the market. Cause you said something very interesting. You said you're going direct to consumer through the contractor, which is how we work as well. Right. Um, are there limitations there? Are there ideas there? I'm just, I, and I'm thinking of other technology companies that have made hardware that have done really well with marketing, but created, didn't, didn't make that connection with the contractor. Yeah. Google nest is yeah, a great so- example. Yeah, I think it's a good question. So, so it was really B two B to C. So it's not really direct to consumer. It's just the end. One sure. of the end users is the consumer. But, um, 
But no, so it's in our roadmap to be able to, and this is similar uh, to, you know, many companies in the space. You want to add value however you can, right? Mm-hmm. And so we we add value to helping them acquire customers, but we want to add value with bringing them customers too, right? And so, you know, if we have an energy company that says, hey, I love your product. I think our homeowners could save a lot of energy by heading off small things before they become big issues. I mean, at the end of the day, air conditioning is like 50% and heating is 50% of all of the, the power usage, right? The energy yeah. usage. Yep. So, no, yeah, we will. We made the product easy so that it could be very quickly done by a, by a technician, but also so it could be installed by a homeowner. So we have some of our partners that are using the DIY capabilities to grab homes for HVAC and plumbing without ever even going Right. And having the homeowner put it in the house. So there's some great opportunities there. So eventually, when we get pulled more and more into deploying the the deploying the product directly to homeowners, then we're going to take those leads and serve them up to our partners. Right. Yeah. And, and, and yeah, I think in that case, do we want a couple of points of the action? I'm, I'm sure. Right. Uh, if we own the customer relationship, then if we pass it off, we'll you know, we'll have some sort of uh, some sort of way to as a, you know, a little thank you for giving them a a free lead. Right. We don't, we're not going to sell leads or anything like that. I don't really believe in that, but, um, but yeah, it's, it's, there's a possibility that the product could be more and more, you know, DIY. And if that's the case, we don't own, uh, (laughs) we can't go service them. Right. So we have to have our partners in every major market kind of take those leads from us. Right. So we're, and we already have some of that, you know, homeowners can buy the product off the website and, and, uh, you know, the price point is, of course, higher than what we get it to consumers for or to contractors for. But but yeah, I mean, if they're if they're going to they're going to buy the product through the platform then we'd love to pair them with great service providers to take care of them when something goes wrong. Got it. Awesome. And it goes without saying that when you're ready to ship those direct to consumer, we will happily ship those for you. I think we've already said that I might cut <laughs> yeah. that out. Producer Matt. Just kidding. <laughs> um, OK, so um, and this this should be not hard to do because I am almost a fourth grader, but explain smart AC. Go ahead and break it down as if I've never heard of it. One, the name is awesome. So however you go to market, like smart AC is, it actually describes a category. Now that I think about it, as I say it out loud, like, and that's not easy to do. So, um, like, so yeah, talk to me about the product. Tell me how it is and what it, how it works, what it is. Yeah. So there's, there's really two, two things. There's why, and there's what, right? So I try to always focus on the why because the what doesn't matter, right? I mean, the what matters in, to the extent that it helps you accomplish the why. But so if we start with the what, the what is it's a platform that allows you to very quickly install a few sensors and understand the health of the equipment, um, HVAC equipment, and then water leaks and things of that nature remotely, right? Um, and so... Um, and, and we'd studied everything that had been in the space before, all the products, and everyone knows the names of a couple, two or three of them over the last decade. And everyone that we talked to that had tried those products said, look, I love the value proposition, but it's like three or $400 and it takes my techs an hour to install, right? Yep. And, and everyone said across the board, and this was in our first six months back in 2018, 2019, we, we interviewed them. And they all said, look, it's got a, it's way too expensive. It's way too difficult. Right. And so really what we've done is we just created a product that, you know, ridiculously low cost compared to anything that's ever existed and ridiculously easily to install. You just walk there. In fact, I have this, you just walk there and, you know, bam, done. Right. So on events behind a, in the return air, um, or, uh, or in a drain pan to understand water leaks and clogs. And so you understand the health of the system remotely. That's the what, right? And uh, and by the way, that of course you get an app. The homeowner gets a, a really sleek app 
to connect them to the contractor when something goes wrong, yep. see the brand of the partner, right? Our partner right there in the app, right? So it's the stickiness and the customer relationship between the homeowner and our partner, the contractor, yep. is really what we're accomplishing there. And then a little bit more what the uh, we're doing all the crunching in the back end with uh, understanding all the data that's coming in. And that's 50,000 data points a day per AC system, right? And so we're basically using machine learning, but also just you know, having created all the signatures of, of failures in a lab, we know what they look like, right? So over half the company is just working on getting that right, right? And we feel like we've nailed that, having worked at it now for four years. Um, and, and then the partner's payoff is they have a dashboard where they can see everything in real time. They can see the leads when they pop up and then go. It's basically blinking red light says, here's a customer with revenue, right? Where you can make money and they need you. So go go take care of them, right? So that's the what. The why is, like I said before, just to help them grow their businesses, right? At the end of the day, the number one driving factor to be indicative of success in EBITDA is going to be a function of how many AC this, ACs they replace. And I would imagine the main KPI, and not all businesses grow their business with uh, service plans. Some are just advertising in the airwaves, but that means their cost to acquire is much higher, of course. Sure. The most efficient way is to grab a customer relationship and then own it ongoing until there's a big ticket item, right? And so really that's what we try to, that's our why. Our why is how do we, if our if our partners are spending three or $400 on a lead, right? And the mid to larger size are spending Minimum. on advertising to grow then how do we make it to where when they go in that house, they don't have to fight for that customer again two or three years later? Like, sure. how, how do we have it where they can grab the relationship and own it? And, and so that's really the why of why we built the sensors and the software and the app and the dashboard is so that, that we can streamline that relationship and they can give their their consumers a better experience and, and best-in-class experience to, to grab that relationship and keep it. So how would a contractor sell this to their potential customer or their homeowner, how would they take the technology to market so that they can benefit from it and leverage it for future sales? Yeah. So there's there, it depends on what their goals are. If they're really in a growth phase and they're trying to grow the business, then, um, homes under management is really, uh, is really, um, what one of the biggest KPIs are. So I would say the, the, there's really three ways that most of our partners use the product. Number one, their sales team can get a huge bump in in closing percentage just by incorporating this into a new install, right? Um, and we've seen that basically you can take a non-connected system and sell it with a lot of the bells and whistles of a connected system that's generally two or $3,000 more, right? And so since 95% of consumers aren't spending that extra two or 3,000 anyway, this allows them to have a similar experience, really a better experience uh, with with the technology, right? So that's one way. But I would say the best and most exciting one for us is for them to actually grow their business and their basic customers. And so that looks like uh, taking their maintenance plans, making them smart maintenance, as we call it, and incorporating 365 day a year monitoring into the plan. Right. Mm-hmm. It, I don't think you should not try to sell a few visits a year. If somebody wants you out there a couple of times, go for it. Right. But we know that 80 percent of homeowners are saying no to those those uh, offers. Right. And so I think starting with the two visit plan. And then uh, some of our advisors like uh, in partners, Jim Bergman's one of them, who's just really helping us champion what we call two to one, which is take your two visit plans. And if you're monitoring them 365 days a year, you probably can do most of the physical things one day a year, right? And so 
can you offer that with the monitoring and package it up at a similar price point to where you close a lot more maintenance agreements, right? And then also there's monitoring only. If Miss Jones says no to two visits and no to one visit, both of which have monitoring, but she likes the technology angle, then maybe you offer monitoring only because at the end of the day, what's the most important thing? The most important thing is being the contractor of record moving forward, right? For that trade, HVAC and plumbing. And so, and so really that progression to smart maintenance is our main, what we work on day in, day out. Uh, and it is the main way that our partners are using the product. And that's really just a combination of increasing their conversion rate from 20 to 50, 60, 70, 80% of homes that they enter, they walk out with having the data coming to them of the health of the system, right? Um, and, and then looking at, taking a hard look at their current plans, how profitable are them? Are they generally... the as a whole, they're profitable, but like the actually doing them is a loss leader. How can they fix that? How can they scale the amount of homes they can manage with the same team? And so it's, it's really a progression to using technology to grow your business in conjunction with trucks and people instead of just using trucks and people to do so. So you mentioned connected systems. So you mentioned that a salesperson, you know, these features, this technology is generally only available in connected systems or communicating systems or higher end systems that they're not selling or they're selling at a lower rate or whatever. Let's talk about OEMs and let's talk about the carriers, trains, Lennoxes of the world, all the, all the big guys. I always say those three, um, because obviously this type of technology, they're having these same types of conversations. They've got this same vision. Where does it fall short? And are they limited just because they are a manufacturer? Like what is, what's going on in that space and what do you see? Uh, yeah, I think the intentions are correct. Uh, with the OEMs, they see that that the data remotely can change the game as far as the as far as the way the whole industry works. Um, the problem is, at the end of the day, uh, the intentions don't really matter. It's the experience you deliver, and so I think where they where they fall in short is that they don't have the software to go with the hardware. Right. First of all, if you if homeowners don't care about air conditioning at all. They just don't ever care until the day it breaks. <laughs> right. And yeah. so and then on that day when it breaks, I promise you 100 out of 100 homeowners would rather spend less money to get a new system. Right. Doesn't mean that sometimes they won't buy up. Sometimes they're there. They do that. Sure. And especially in efficiency. But, but they've got 24 hours. About, like, well, if we're just talking about data. Homeowners don't care about the data. They don't care. They care about getting comfortable and staying comfortable. Right. right. And the experience when they lose it. And so I think that's really where the gap is. That's what we focus on, the experience for the homeowner first. And then the experience for the contractor to, to deal with our platform with the homeowner. But that's, that's, the, that's where they fall short in, in a nutshell, is, is the experience of taking that data and then what do you do with it? How do you serve it up to the stakeholders? And, um, and, and until you fix that, um, it's just not the penetration, especially at a higher price point, is difficult. I read on your website that 80% of homeowners don't do maintenance. Admittedly, I have done that a couple of times. I think I shared earlier, I missed maintenance for two years in the spring and summer and I regret it. And I'm ashamed of myself. can't love myself anymore, Josh. Um, But what you're recommending is like some of these maintenance roles are just not necessary anyway. Where's the balance there? Well, well, you heard maintenance is dead, right? Didn't you hear that? (laughs) 
I will not uh, comment on anything I read uh, or don't read on Facebook. I've blocked yeah, so, Facebook. You know, it's, it's funny. A, a lot of people are talking about this, and there's some truth to that. Uh, the way of doing maintenance, maybe. The, yeah. the value proposition of a maintenance plan is not dead. It's no. the main proposition. It's the most important thing in the whole industry is to have a method of keeping that relationship with the homeowner, right? Yep. And so, um, so yeah, we just think that there's more efficient ways of doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if, if I told you as a business owner, and this is fast forwarding to the end of the book, and I'm not even sure the, the industry is ready to go to the end of the book for a number of years. So not asking everyone to make this transition now. But if I told you as a business owner, you could somehow own all the homes, only go there when there was revenue, and never go to the house until they needed either a big repair or a replacement, that would certainly be more efficient. The, the truth is that's just not possible. You can't leave the house, never go back ever, have no touch points, and then seven years later, oh yeah, I want to use them. That's just not the way it works, right? Right. Um, but when you introduce another way of gaining and, re- and, and uh, of grabbing and retaining that relationship, then maybe it is possible. Mm-hmm. And it's not optimal to never go to the house. You need to go maintain the equipment. That's very important. Yeah. But if Mrs. Jones says no to that, are you better off monitoring the system and still being the company of record versus not getting that relationship? I, I think yes, right? And so the way that we've seen our, our partners double, triple, sometimes even quadruple their conversion rate isn't selling two visit plans on 80% of times. Right. It's, it's a combination of selling that when they can, going once at least if, they'll, if the customer will allow them to do for that, do that. And, and then monitoring in the, in the situations where the customer says no to any visits to the house. And so, yeah, so the only, when I talk to, and I've had some of the biggest players in the space, and, and, and really, they, I've, for some reason, they all ask the same question at the end of an hour. They all say, what am I not thinking about? Or if you were me, you know, what do I need to know, right? And really, the only thing I say in that situation is what you've been doing for the last decades was correct. There's nothing wrong. You didn't do anything wrong, right? There wasn't a product at a price point that made it the ROI work to do anything different. But now you have this new arrow in your quiver, right? And if you don't use it, it's now suboptimal, right? It wasn't suboptimal before because it didn't exist. But now it's suboptimal. When you can double or triple either conversion rate to an ongoing relationship by using technology, you should do it. And if you're not doing it, you're going to be behind, right? And so it's it's a the message isn't this the industry is broken and has been broken. The message is just now there's a way to make it more efficient. Uh, and, and what's exciting is it's more efficient for the businesses to make money and a better experience for the homeowner at the same time. And that doesn't always happen. Right. Uh, and that's the step function leap that we're trying to bring to, to these businesses. The comment you made about maintenance being dead was a booby trap and my foot stuck in it. And so we're going to hang out there for a while. The counterpoint to that that was made in other publications, if you will, was that maintenance is dead because it's a subscription with a ton of fixed cost and no profit. And the other side of that coin is it should be like SaaS, like monthly recurring revenue, where it's primarily profit and scalable. Can a contractor have a monthly recurring revenue SaaS type of look by integrating technology in the point of sale? Um, Yeah. So here's why SaaS multiples are what they are. Because they represent an ongoing customer relationship. That's the reason, right? There's value to the revenue, but there's also the value of being able to sell more things to those customers with the relationship they have. That's why Google will pay a whole lot for users 
And you can sell a tech company with tons of users and no revenue because they value the channel to sell to those customers, right? So that logic is right in that if you had a lot of sticky SaaS relationship customers, there's value because the fact that they're paying you every month means that they have a, you have a relationship to them, right? Mm-hmm. They're not going to value, I don't believe, the revenue, the SaaS revenue in the same way. For one thing, it's not SaaS. Unless, unless these HVAC companies build a software company, it's not SaaS revenue. It can be services revenue, but it's, it's different, right? And so, um, and so, sure, there's value to that ongoing relationship. And I think that's what he was saying. There's value to the ongoing relationship, and, mm-hmm. and that's correct. It's just, you know... Uh, the 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 reason maintenance agreements are valuable when you sell your company isn't they're a loss leader in most situations. Sure. It's not the actual money you're making on those agreements. It's the ability to sell to those customers and it's the relationships is what they represent, right? And so uh, me- memberships aren't dead. Uh, the value proposition is still very much alive, but there are new ways to accomplish it now. I mean, that's mm-hmm. what we that's what we push, right? In the same people having those conversations, you know, we've been in rooms with and, and they're right. And that we need to do things differently. Um, but, but yeah, I think that was just a kind of off the cuff type comment, but, but yeah, it's, uh, you don't build big businesses without understanding how, what's valuable. And so, uh, so a lot was made out of that, but I do agree that, um, that if you can get away from loss leader situations or make it less or more or break even, even that's preferable. Of course. So what else is super exciting in the industry? I mean, obviously you and I are on the, the front end of a lot of technology and change and we talk about disruption and we talk about the consumer experience, but the core, what's what else is exciting out there? Man, if you're an entrepreneur, you're head down. Like what else is even going on? I'm just yeah. like full smart AC. No, Same. no I mean, yeah. I, 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 for the last four years, we've been pretty head down um, and we pop up to see what's going on to make sure, okay, yeah, still, still good. Okay. All right. Yep. Back down. Yep. So we have been pretty focused on, on uh, building our platform out. Um, I think there's some really exciting things coming down the pipe with CRMs as well. Mm-hmm. Service Titan's got a lot of really exciting things um, as far as technology and they're always bringing a lot more to market. There's some other CRMs that have some really unique, uh, some unique takes uh, purpose built uh, situations as well. Um, and you know, I think, uh, but there's not a whole lot of technology players in the space at all. Uh, we're huge fans of measure quick. I think it's one of the best platforms in the entire space, very underrated because it's just not as well known, uh, to the mainstream maybe, but, uh, but bringing technology, uh, into the equation and standardization as a function of data and things of that is just really powerful. So we're trying to align with the the technology platforms that are innovating. And I think Bluon's one of those. Bluon's an incredible company as well. And so so there are some out there and and, uh, uh, some other marketing. Flatrate is an incredible company, new Flatrate. I like them a lot. So I think there's uh, all of these companies share one thing and that's their brings either hardware or software to bear to be able to make the businesses more efficient, right? And so I think there's still a huge opportunity to do more and more of that in the in this, especially in this industry. So how are you taking smart AC to market? You mentioned partnerships, you mentioned working with some of the larger companies. How what's your growth look like? Yeah. So I mean we're in now 20 some states with partners. We've signed some of the biggest names in the industry. Um, and it's slow, it's it takes time. You know, we we hope to be at the you know, hundred thousand units plus deployed by the end of the year, nice. and uh, uh, not there yet. 
Um, but I think at the end of the day, it, it is kind of a copycat industry too. You know, I mean, it's not a coincidence that so many of the biggest orgs are best practices groups um, because there's it makes sense to crowdsource what works well, right? And so I think that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to align ourselves with the forward thinking some of the biggest players in the industry in each market that say, look, I've became I've become the number one company in this market and I want to stay that way. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to fight off number two and number three. And this having this in my repertoire first, early and often, is going to be the a really big part of, of gaining market share. And so we are focused on the companies that get it, quote unquote in a one hour conversation honestly if they don't like we we don't we we just there's too many people to talk to and so generally that means you know we align ourselves very well with people that have already utilized technology to grow their business if you if you haven't used utilized any technology i wouldn't say start with smartac.com i would say start (laughs) with the crm right because if you haven't done that then that's probably got a more impactful you know more impact on your business from day one yeah, and it might, it might even be hard to wrap your head around what we're saying until you know what your numbers, right? Because at the end of the day, it's just changing the the KPIs in your favor is is everything we're trying to do for yeah. our partners. I'm smiling because we have a, a similar situation here at Contractor Commerce where you know you can talk about the pain and you can talk about the industry and you can talk about growth and disruption and technology and Uber and Amazon and all these sort of things and lead a customer to seeing the vision, but at the end of the day, like. It, it's 2023. Like I tell my team to ask a customer, have you ever considered having an online store for your business? Because if not, this is a different conversation. But what we're finding is most contractors are like, oh yeah, I've been thinking about that forever. And then when they tell us how they would do it, it happens to be exactly how we've done it because yeah. that's what we've, yeah. Anyways. Samesies. Uh, yeah. we, Listen to the yeah. customer. Everyone says, oh, yeah, we, we've always wanted to do something. I, I knew you only needed these data points. If you tell me, you, you give me Delta T remotely, right? And let me know if the drain pan clogs, I can get to the 10-yard line, right? So, like, I, so I do true. think that that's what we did. No, we didn't do it. It wasn't a coincidence. We interviewed all the big players, right, to understand sure. what to build. And that's rule number one. Anybody who's thinking about starting a company, research before you do it, especially if it's hardware, if there's anything hardware. Well, first of all, if there's anything hardware, just don't do it. Number one. (laughs) Yes. Not worth it. Uh, But if, uh, but if you're going to do anything like that, you got to know the end game and you have to have basically pre-sold the concept before you go build it. Uh, That's, that would be the case for any startup, I would say. Let's, um, out of consideration for our listeners, let's talk about the hardware really quickly earlier. For those who are not watching on YouTube, um, Josh held up a return air grill and he put this what looked like a little Apple magnet on it and it just affixed really quickly. Talk to me about the hardware and yeah, um, yeah nerd out on that yeah, for so, me. That's pretty cool. Yeah, so it's three sensors, right? And they go a little, little kit. The box the says change is in the air. I like it. Yeah, yeah good trademark. So they're real easy. So they're all magnetic. Basically, you just stick uh, for people that are, can't see um, you're basically just magnetically coupling the sensor to the to the supplier. Um, we have some accessories if it's not a magnetic uh, vent or whatever. But so supplier temperature that gives us the hot or cold air coming out of this, the vent every cycle for heating or cooling all year long. And then you put one of the sensors in the return air. So sometimes that's in the wall, sometimes the ceiling, sometimes the system itself, of course. We have different accessories for different applications. So we have accomplished 100% applicability no matter where you are in the country no matter what the orientation of the system. And that basically just gives us the temperature split vent to vent of every heating or cooling cycle all year long. That actually also gives us the air filter line. So this is, I know we talked about this considering what you guys do. 
Um, and so we actually have the pressure changes and the airflow information in the ductwork. So we give the homeowner and the contractor a percentage readout of the air filter life, which we don't care about making money on filters. Uh, it's not part of our business. In fact, we pass those along at cost. Um, and uh, But we do believe, and we've seen in our numbers, that when a customer uses our platform um, for changing their filters, the churn rate is effectively zero, right? So if a contractor wants to have that ongoing relationship and make sure they grab it as well as they can and never lose it, take care of the filters. And that's effectively what maintenance agreements have been doing already. People knew that, but now there's a way to do it without having to go to the house, right? Which is really neat. Um, and then lastly, we have a connected water sensor that goes in the drain pan of the evaporator pan, right? So uh, that's looking for clogs. And of course, you know, it, it had been done in an analog way for a long time. Um, you know, turning off the system. But now there's visibility when that's the case and you can send the right person for something like that. Um, so it, it really just allows you to know what, what the problem is, that there's a problem before the homeowner and know what the problem is before, before you even send a tech. And so eventually we hope to be able to diagnose the problem, right? With the data feedback we're going to get from Service Titan of knowing what was fixed, what was wrong, what was sold, you know, everything. Not only will we be able to give our customers an ROI you know, calc of here, you deployed a thousand systems and here's the money you made off of it. Oh, and by the way, you sold 500 homes on monitoring only that you would have had no visibility at all because they said no to visits to their house. And now you sold all this revenue on those homes that you had to be, you would have had to been fighting for. So it's effectively just how do you take the data and then integrate it into your business to, to grow. Um, but yeah, the sensors are just real simple magnetic set in place. And then you put it online with the hub you can put it online a number of different ways. I can do the entire physical installation and the obviously the time it takes to walk to those areas. Sure. And then the app guides, the pro app, there's a there's a pro app for uh, technicians, guides you through the install and then pairing it to to the to Wi-Fi. And then the homeowner can log in and see, you know, high level stuff. We don't want the homeowner calling you up with a question on data, right? So we really keep most of the nitty-gritty out of their out of yep. out of uh, their purview. Uh, in fact, we even send the leads to the contractor first so that they can be the hero and the homeowners are never reaching out to them. Yep. But if it's something like a water leak or an air filter, those are more more either urgent or a nuisance and something the homeowner can take care of. So who pays for the hardware? Who pays for the software? What's the financial model look like? Yeah, before I did, I did a podcast the other day and I think I forgot to mention the price. So I want to throw out it. So it's 10 bucks a month. Everything we talked about with the uh, with the hardware the pro app, the homeowner app, the dashboard, an ongoing warranty on the system and the hardware, everything's 10 bucks a month. And we wanted to do that because when you build a product that's supposed to be used to capture as many homes as possible, you need the economics to work in as many situations as possible, right? Sure. So if it's a one-year-old system, you know, maybe you don't give the thing away to them and take a $120 cost every year for it. Maybe you sell it in that situation. But when, it, but when it's an old system, the economics are just incredible right oh, and so yeah so yeah it's a uh, 10 bucks a month and then generally what we do is well always what we do is we're building the contractor so yeah. um so they bundle into their plans right so if you have a you know 19 a month plan you know maybe sex it up and have with monitoring and sell it a little different different price point maybe sure. you drop one truck roll and sell it at the same price point because 120 dollars a year is generally less than the cost of a truck roll right mm -hmm. and so um, so yeah, but we, we work directly with a contractor. We really don't have any interface with the homeowner other than, you know, we handle customer support if they have questions yeah. about the product or something. But, uh, 
but yeah, we we want to we want to set them up with that relationship and then and then facilitate them monetizing that that relationship moving forward. I think you're going to be wildly successful with this. I mean, you are. It just Thank makes you. too much sense, and I think you're not limited by the constraints of, you know, a contractor trying to roll something out this like this through a manufacturer or a distributor that's not as applicable, but that was the third part. Yeah. It needed to be cheap and needed or cost effective and needed to be uh, easy to install. And it needed to be applicable in every single situation. It doesn't matter how great, you know, the system is, if you only can do it with this one OEM or with that one thermostat or whatever, then it's limiting. Um, and yep. so, yeah, so universally compatible was the last, the last tenet of the faith, if you will. I am sitting here right now. I occasionally will talk about my air conditioning system um, on this podcast, and I'm sitting here with probably one of the nicest residential air conditioners in the state that I live in. System, full system. I mean, I've got a 98% furnace in North Carolina, which no one has, and I can give you some reasons why, but um, I've got a leaking evaporator coil. I'm getting no notification. I just looked over at the thermostat. I'm getting no indication by any report that... I have a leak. I found out after rolling a truck here and someone crawling in my attic. Um, I have gotten some interesting notifications over the years that have been helpful, like the the first year I had it, but I haven't heard from anyone since. And um, maybe that's my fault as a, I don't know. I don't know. But I just, I expect more out of this type of technology. Yeah, it's it's actually not that hard. Uh, when you have <laughs> data remotely, when you when it's hard to go get the data. That's the hard part. Once you have the data, like you know, any tech in the country would be able to look at it and be like, oh yeah, that's a problem, right? (laughs) And and the cool thing is actually is that the homeowner in those situations can see that trend line. And so our partners are selling armed with them having seen that data, which is really neat. Uh, But it's mostly just about getting the data. It's not even necessarily about how much you have. It's just consistently having that remote visibility. It changes a lot. Josh, if... A contractor is listening to this and they want to learn more about Smart AC or sign up or is that possible and what is the process? Please yeah. let them know. Yeah. So so generally, we don't ask to do business with anyone until they have gone through and understood everything, right? So our process is to do, you know, to do a call where they can understand and ask all the questions going through some of the similar stuff we did on this call, but then understanding what are their goals for a business and how, how could we help. Um, and so, and so, yeah, uh, generally you can sign up for one of those at hvac.smartac.com. Um, and you know, we do a lot via zoom, uh, and can do screen shares and things of that nature. So it starts with a call and then you throw some systems in the field and see what, see what the product does. Look at the dashboard, see the data coming in. And so that's usually a couple of week process to understand the platform. And then, you know, then we can discuss whether or not it's a good fit um, to, uh, to partner, to try to help them grow their business. But, uh, yeah, it just starts with reaching out there, hvac.smartac.com. Um, and, uh, and we, of course we'd love to, uh, we'd love to help whoever we can and the bigger, the better, you know, if you're real big, we'd, we'd like you even more, but, uh, yeah, our goal is to partner with the, uh, we have a team of 30, so it makes sense for us to spend time where it's the most valuable, right? So if you're, you know, one or two people, it's probably not the greatest fit this year for us. Um, but we're having some slam dunk success with people with five or 10 trucks. So, uh, it's been really exciting. Is the mechanism built out yet to share consumer leads with contractors? And I ask that because if you're a homeowner listening to this, assuming not all my listeners are contractors and they're interested in this, how do they get something like this awesome in their house? Yeah. Yeah. So we're building that now. So we already built the functionality with service Titan to the leads to go directly into the platform. So right now, if you're a service Titan customer and 
you're a smart AC customer and a, and a lead comes through our platform, it's going to flow directly into your dispatch, Perfect. which is really, really powerful. And, and what's cool about that, too, is that if and when we have more pull into uh, selling the product directly to homeowners, then that same functionality will allow us to share those leads with contractors, right? And we, we have ways of doing that now without Service Titan, but it's much better if we can utilize that massive network of, of um, partners and have it just automatically flow there. So, so yeah, I mean, uh, if you're a consumer now and looking for help, we, we, we know some of the best companies in every market in the country. So happy to connect to you. Um, you can email us at support at smartac.com if you want, and we're happy to be helpful. There's a lot of great, great service providers out there and, and we can point you in the right direction. The position that puts you in as a company is really compelling. And if I'm a large enterprise contractor, I'm getting on this pretty quickly so that I'm not buying those leads one day from someone else or watching someone else run them. And that's just where my mind goes, Josh. Well, I would too. I would too. And the the thing we talk about doing that we haven't done that we'd love to do is is buy a shop, buy a $10 million shop and show everyone what we're talking about, right? I mean, we already have partners doing it, but they're not doing it as fast and as hard as I would want to do it if I were them, right? So I think I think at the end of the day, over the next three or four months, it will be able to point to 10, 15 of the biggest, most respected shops in the country, how they're having success, right? And then have those operators say, look, here's what we did and, and here's what worked. And at the end of the day, it's not the approach that we need help on. It's how do we facilitate the change management in the organization, right? I mean, that's, I'm sure with Service Titan, that was their problem. It wasn't, you know, understanding, can this make your business better? It's just a huge change, right? And what we're asking is actually a lot easier than than a weeks on end training on a new system. It's just, you know, changing the way that you represent something to the homeowner, right? And we actually make cards, to make that easy in videos and it's all automated now. Right. So, uh, but yeah, it's, it's really exciting. I, I agree with you. Uh, the, this is the future. And if you have a big shop, this is the best defense you can have against your competitors in the market and against whatever big bag, scary thing, the future could hold one day as well. So who, who is in your corner that's keeping you from buying the $10 million shop and keeping you safe? Um, from- <laughs> there are people, there are yeah. people. Uh, well, I mean, we all because that's what I love. I yeah. love selling homeowners and I love this, uh, this, uh, I love helping people do it, but I also love to show people how it can be done. And so, you know, I don't think that's in our future, but we do, we do, uh, work intimately with some of our partners to test different things, okay. you know, show that it works and then it roll it out through all of our, all of our partners. But, uh, but yeah, that would be fun though. I, yeah. I really, it, I really enjoy being a contractor. I miss being a contractor. It's the demand side. There's so much low hanging fruit. I mean, if you think about like, okay, so I just need a website and needs to rank on a search engine and I need to let a customer put a credit card in and okay, now I just need someone to actually do the installation and that's where it gets tricky. But yeah. Um, anyhow, yeah. I could wrap on this stuff with you forever. This is fun, man. I've really enjoyed our conversation. Yeah, I have too. Thank you, Paul. Appreciate it. It's been a good time. And yeah, we should take it offline and keep going. Why, why stop? You can hit the you can hit the turn off button or whatever. Or That's right. Button. So I'll go ahead and wrap. Listeners, thank you for listening to the Change Your Filter podcast. If you're a contractor listening to this and you want to learn more about smartac.com, hit up Josh. You know where to find him. He shared his information. If you're a homeowner listening to this, change your filter change your filter. Just go get a new one. Buy it from a contractor. You wait too long. That's why companies like ours have to exist. So thank you so much. Talk to you soon. 
Thank you for listening to the Change Your Filter podcast. I hope this podcast today was valuable for you. If you liked this podcast, please go to wherever you listen to podcasts and write a review. And if you have an idea of a guest or a topic, leave it in the notes of our YouTube feed. If you are interested in learning more about Contractor Commerce, go to contractorcommerce.com, click learn more, and my team will hook you up.